The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, Mountain Park. Welcome. So glad that you're here. If you are back with us after visiting with us uh, on Easter last Sunday, so thrilled that you uh, decided to brave it again. Uh, This morning, we are talking about healing. And if there are any of you out there who are Coyote fans, you're going to need it today. Uh, I'm not sure if you were aware of it, but they lost the game. They were winning with five seconds left in the game, and then Chicago tied it up and won in overtime. (laughs) So, but we're going to be okay. Yeah, hey, 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 out. Ushers, ushers. That is not tolerated in this house of the Lord. So uh, uh, before I jump into a uh, message this morning, I just want to give a kudos out to uh, you as a church for the whole Easter week experience. The number and quality of people who stepped up to volunteer, to help, to set up, to create, to make things happen that week was phenomenal. And a number of you showed up for the Monday uh, Passover Seder, which was, uh, I mean, way more than what we had expected. The Stations of the Cross was was ridiculously amazing. Uh, There's all the people who were a part of that. And uh, I've heard from many stories from a number of you that it was a very meaningful experience. I love that stuff because it just helps reinforce that, that Mountain Park is not just at Sunday morning church, that, that uh, stuff happens all the time. And so uh, you guys did a, a fantastic job. And um, uh, then on Sunday, however, the Easter Sunday, many of you responded to the request to stay away from the 10 o'clock celebration. A lot of guests and new people came to that. And so, so many of you responded to that and you went to the earlier ones, which were way better. And uh, so thank you. Way to go on that. If you are a regular um, attendee here at Mountain Park, and you still came for the 10 o'clock, I hope that you continue to have a little bit of guilt and shame as you move forward. Just a little bit. Not a lot. Just a little bit. Okay. But I say that in love, especially if you're a Chicago fan. So, okay. But, uh, but anyway, kudos. Seriously, I'm so proud of, uh, of our church. I'm so proud to be one of the pastors here and very, very, very thankful. On Easter, we uh, talked about moving into a new stage in our journey that we're calling 2012 AD, the year of our Lord. We're spending this whole year talking about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And, and uh, last week, we talked about entering into this third stage, which is the stage of wonder. Yes, Jesus is loving, he is funny, he's fascinating, he's compassionate, he is interesting, but he's also wonderful. He has wonder. There's a supernatural element to uh, us having a relationship with with Jesus. If the whole Jesus thing is just an intellectual thing, uh, then it's it's uh, very limited. If it's just a matter of theological debate, and yes, this is right, and yes, this is how this works, then the whole thing really is somewhat impotent because there is a supernatural peace that Jesus brings to our lives that we can't get uh, from any other place. And as we looked at last week, um, that the supernatural things that Jesus did, they had a purpose. They were taking us somewhere. They were for the purpose of, of getting our attention and drawing us to the reality that Jesus is the Christ. In the Gospels, we find four different types of miracles, of supernatural things that happen. There are healing miracles. There are 
resurrection miracles, there are nature miracles, and then there are exorcism miracles. Over the next four weeks, we're going to look at each one of those and see how they might um, have an effect on our relationship with Christ. Today, we're looking at healing. Does Jesus still heal? What happens in our relationship with God when we pray fervently and faithfully and healing doesn't occur? What, what happens there? We're going to go after that. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, once again, I, I ask for grace to fill this place. May you um, take our time here and, and turn it into a supernatural experience. May it not be limited by my simple words, God. I know that there are many here in this room uh, for whom the healing topic is a big one. Maybe it's a, a painful part of, of the past where someone they loved was not healed or they weren't healed. Or maybe that's currently what's happening in their lives. And so, God, would you come supernaturally and meet us in our place of need? Speak to our minds. Touch our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are all very aware of physical pain. We're all very familiar with physical pain. In some way, we've been bumped, uh, uh, bruised, whatever, in our lives. Three weeks ago, on a Tuesday night, I was eating with my family for dinner, and I bit my lip. And uh, then what happens is, you, you know, your lip swells, and then it gets in the way of your teeth when they want to continue biting. And so that was on a Tuesday night. Wednesday night, I came and gathered for the Wednesday night life, which is a gathering in the lobby here for a meal, and then people go off into their life-transforming uh, different classes and groups. It's just fantastic. So I'm enjoying the meal, and five times during that meal, because my lip is swollen a little bit, I'm, you know, and it just happens so sudden, but I slam on my lip. And it's not just like a little, oh, I cut the corner of it. I'm talking, so you're just talking and eating and enjoying, and then, ow, man, that hurts, man, that hurts. So the fifth time that this happened, I was this close to surprising the children and the parents in the room with a very colorful word. And I was so thankful that I held it back. I would have had a lot of splaining to do there, but I mean, this was so painful. So as a result, uh, the, the, it, it's, it got infected, and then it turned into a canker that was about this big, and, and I had this canker for eight days, and uh, that Sunday, I had morphine to get me through the day, because I mean, it was, just, it was just so, so painful. Now, I know my little canker so little canker sore inside of my mouth doesn't even come close to comparing to some of the things that you have experienced or that you are experiencing. But for those eight days, that canker was pretty much consuming. I mean, I was very aware of the pain in my mouth and the number of times that it would just... It would just kind of catch and the burn and the pain would just kind of jump in there. I was very aware of the pain. So was my family. So were my coworkers. So was anyone that I interacted with for those eight days. And I would hear things around me like, you're still talking about that canker? And the whole thing. It was very much uh, consuming. It very much had my attention. Now, when we think of healing, that's the stuff that we think of. We think of relief from physical pain. We think of freedom from physical pain. The story that you just read on the screen there, the story that we're taking a look at, is found in Mark chapter 2. I invite you to open your Bibles there. If you brought your Bibles, that's where we're going to spend our time. It's a story found in Mark chapter 2, the story of Jesus watching the uh, paralytic being lowered from the, from the roof and then, and then uh, interacting with this guy. 
So Jesus sees this guy coming down, knows what he's looking for, knows that he's looking for healing, knows that his friends are looking for physical healing for him. And then what does Jesus say, the first thing that he says when, when he has an opportunity? Son, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't address the physical issue at all. What he addresses is the spiritual issue. Son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees, they get all bent out of shape. If Jesus had healed him physically, they would have had no problem with that. It wasn't on the Sabbath, great, heal him, that sounds great. But, but they got bent out of shape because Jesus had the audacity to say your sins are forgiven. That's the part that was blasphemy, the story says. And these Pharisees, they understood that they understood correctly that only God can forgive someone else's sins. Only God can offer spiritual healing to somebody else. We can forgive somebody for what they've done to us, but as far as cleansing someone from sin, from their separation from God, only God can do that. And so these Pharisees are saying, this is blasphemy. You can't do that. Pharisees understood very clearly that spiritual healing was a bigger deal than physical healing. You ever notice sometimes in life, the thing is not the thing. That uh, maybe your daughter comes home with you after she spent some time with her mom and she gets totally upset about having the blue shirt instead of having the green shirt and everything just kind of starts to unravel. That's because sometimes the thing is not the thing. Maybe your dad or your husband comes home from work and and just goes ballistic because a skateboard is left in the driveway. Maybe you've been dating somebody wonderfully for three months and you think things are going fantastic and then that person says, I think I like you too much, I just need a little bit of space. And you're going, what? Sometimes the thing is not the thing. See, when we're, looking, when we're talking about physical healing and spiritual healing, sometimes we think physical healing is the thing, but spiritual healing really is the thing. We are very aware of our physical pain. We're very aware of the benefits of getting relief from the physical uh, struggles that we're having. We're very familiar with that, but we're less familiar with the pain and the, and the, and the weight of spiritual uh, healing, of the need for spiritual healing. We get very upset when we're not experiencing physical healing we get very upset with the physical pain that we're experiencing, but how often do we get upset about the physical, about the spiritual separation that we have from God because of our sin? How often do we get truly upset about how, what that's doing spiritually in our relationship with God? How often does that get stirred up as something important in our journey? Sometimes the thing is not the thing, and what happens is that if we experience physical healing Without spiritual healing, it's just temporary. Some of you may remember uh, Gerald Marvel, who was this uh, amazing uh, uh, interim pastor here at Mountain Park a few years back. And I, I, I remember at one point he said that physical healing is just a Band-Aid because we're all gonna die anyway. Now, I don't mean to belittle your illness or the physical pain that you're experiencing. I'm not trying to um, 
uh, lessen the significance of that in your journey. I am absolutely not trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is elevate the significance of our, of our need for spiritual healing. I'm not trying to reduce the significance of physical healing. I'm trying to elevate the significance of spiritual healing. It's a big deal. Jesus never came across a disease he couldn't cure. That's not what we see in, in the story. He never came across a physical deformity that he couldn't take care of. He never came across a demon that he couldn't exercise. That wasn't an issue for him. But he did come across some hearts that weren't willing to surrender themselves to the lordship of Jesus. He did come across some spiritual separation that people had with God who were not willing to surrender their lives to Christ. That's what we see in the, in the Bible story. That's what we see in, in, our, in our church, in our community, in our own journeys, in the journeys of people that we love. Physical healing is, is, is huge. It's a big deal. But sometimes it's not the thing. Spiritual healing is a bigger deal. This is big for us here in Ahwatukee. Here in Phoenix, we're, we're pretty good at, at a lot of the physical stuff. We're pretty good at kind of taking care of ourselves physically. We're runners and, and swimmers and uh, uh, Pilatiers, and we're fitness instructors, and we're taekwondoers and, and whatever the thing might be. I mean, we're physically, we're doing okay in many, in many aspects. But many of us are so hurt inside. Many of these beautiful homes on the outside, I have so much pain on the inside. There's so much need for spiritual healing. Souls that are broken, hearts that are broken, families that are broken. This is, this is a big deal for us. Spiritual healing is a bigger deal than, than physical healing. Let me uh, read a few verses from this story. Mark chapter 2. I want to begin in verse 9. I'm going to read a couple verses here, and then later on I'm going to jump back up to earlier in the story. But these are the words of Jesus saying to the Pharisees, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? In other words, what's easier, the spiritual healing or the physical healing? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. In other words, that's the big deal. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Now for some, this might sound as a cop-out, as a way to avoid the difficult conversation of, of physical healing. Why has God not healed me? Why did God not heal me in the past? It's not a cop-out to that conversation. It really isn't. If that's where you are, if that's your struggle, then this story in Mark chapter 2 is one for you to spend some time on. Because if, if it feels like a cop-out, that the physical healing should be elevated more, then maybe you're struggling with some of the things that the Pharisees were struggling with here. And what we see in most of our New Testament stories is we don't want to identify with the Pharisees. God has a lot to teach us through, through uh, the Pharisees' poor response to what Jesus was doing in those situations. That spiritual healing is a bigger deal than physical healing. Now this guy in his story, this paralytic, he understood well uh, the pain of, of needing physical healing. He understood well physical pain. He was paralytic for his whole life. His whole life was spent on a mat that was about six feet by three feet, his entire life. 
and he couldn't take care of himself. He had to be fed. He had to be moved. He had to be cleaned. He had no job, no money, no dignity. Imagine what his life would have been like as a paralytic on his mat. Now, we understand that many of you, way more than I do, understand that uh, physical limitations in our day are very hard. It's just a whole different uh, set of needs that persons need to go through in, or, in order to navigate this already difficult thing called life. But in their situation, it was even harder. The Greeks and the Romans, which were the people were, who were around um, um, the Jews here in this story, they believed that anyone who was born with a deformity should, not, uh, should be discarded. Aristotle said, let there be a law that no deformed children should be raised. They're, not, they're, they're discarded. The reason this man survived and he grew up to be an adult is that he was a Jew, and the Jews had a different perspective on this. But they believed that physical limitations, physical ailments were connected to a spiritual problem. Absolutely direct link. There's a story that we find elsewhere in Scripture where the disciples are with Jesus and they come across a blind man. And the disciples say to Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? I mean, that's an amazing question. They didn't talk about how are we going to help this man? What can we do with this guy? What's going on? They said, who's at fault? Because obviously somebody is at fault. There's a physical problem, so it must be connected to some kind of responsibility, maybe him or maybe generations before him. So this paralytic, he has been uh, uh, scoffed and discarded by the Greeks and the Romans, and he's been judged by the Hebrews his entire life. His entire life. That's all he has known. Just laying on a six-by-three mat. Speaker and author John Ortberg, in a book called uh, Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them, good book. He talks about this story and he says, he refers to the mat uh, as this guy's as-is tag. That it, it's like he has, he's carrying around this tag that's been stapled to him. This is um, uh, no returns. This is what you see is what you get. It's imperfect. This is his as-is tag. Take it or leave it. And the reality is, that we all have mats. We all carry around with us a mat. We all carry around with us an as-is tag that reminds us and reminds those around us that we are not perfect. Maybe your as-is tag is judgmentalism, and you really do believe that you are more important than other people. You're better than other people. You're more valued than other people or another group of people. You really believe that. Maybe you wouldn't say it, but, that, but you carry that with you. And that carries into some of your conversations. Maybe your as-is tag is this anger that boils up in you and it comes out at some, some terrible times. And you see the results of it when you look on the faces of your kids when they have to, when they have to respond to it. And you are, it's out of control for you sometimes and you don't like it. But it's stapled to you. Maybe it's fear. It's fear of entering into something and not knowing uh, whether you're going to be perfect at it. 
And so the fear says, I can't try anything new because I may not get it perfectly right. But all of us have some kind of mat. All of us have some kind of as-is tag. And the reality is that some of us like to go through our whole lives pretending that we don't. Some refer to it as, as a poser, where we just, we just think, I, I've got it all together. I don't need redemption. I don't need sanctification. I don't need help. I'm all good. So I've rolled up my mat and I've hidden it somewhere so that others can't see it. But the reality is we all have mats. We all have mats. And what this story says is that until we allow other people to see our mat, to be aware of our mat, we're going to carry it with us for the rest of our lives. Here's where the four friends enter into the story. And they make an amazing difference in this guy's life. Let me back up a little earlier in the story. Still in chapter 2, verse 3. Some men came, bringing, him to, a, uh, uh, bringing to him a paralytic carrying, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. So it's very reasonable that these guys woke up early that day to go get their friend, the paralyzed man that they knew, knowing that Jesus was going to be at this house. And so let's, let's go, let's do this together. And instead of just sitting around and saying, well, we have a man who's paralyzed, we have a friend who's paralyzed, let's pray for him. Let's, uh, 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 they said, we're going to do something about it. And they got to where this home was, and it was crowded, and they couldn't get in. They have a mat, a six-by-three mat. They weren't going to be able to work their way through the crowd. They knew it wasn't going to happen for them. They had plenty of reason at that point, plenty of opportunity to uh, back off from the plan, plenty of excuse at that point to just kind of pull back from the whole deal. But they didn't. Apparently, those homes had stairs that would go around the side of the home to go up to the ceiling. And they took this six-by-three mat and climbed up the stairs and cut a hole in the top. They cut through the grass and the clay and the, the tiles. And they cut a hole big enough to lower a six-by-three mat. We're talking about a large hole here. And again, they didn't take all the excuses that they could have to say, well, we can't help you out. What it means for us is that there are times where we need to cut a hole in the roof for somebody. That means we notice a problem, we don't just think about it or talk with others about it, we act on it. We do something about it. They acted on it, they cut a hole in the roof. And it, I, I love the story because I just love imagining Jesus teaching with the folks and then there's the debris that starts falling. I mean, you're kind of six by three hole in the roof. When did Jesus stop talking? Because obviously something's happened up there and the whole, and, and the whole deal. Uh, many understand this story to have taken place in Peter's house, that uh, this was a gathering in, in Peter's house, and I could just imagine Peter's mom uh, struggling with this situation, and, you know, maybe saying, I never, uh, you know, was a fan of you hanging out with that Jesus. Everybody else thinks he walks on water, but I'm not sure. <laughs> and Jesus' dad, or Peter's dad, of course, would be worried about the finances of it, wondering uh, if the insurance was going to cover this deal. And, but he might be thinking, you know, uh, Jesus is here, so maybe this could be considered an act of God, and uh, maybe we could get covered by it. Uh, not sure how the, how the whole deal is going to work out there. But they're, they're, they're going to be wrestling, they're gonna be wrestling with, with this whole thing. What's, 
What, what's happening? This paralyzed man doesn't have much in life, but he's got four amazing friends, and that's all he needed for his life to be transformed. That's all he needed. Those kind of friendships, they don't happen by accident. They don't happen fast. I'm pretty confident these, this group of five didn't just meet the night before and say, hey, what do you want to do tomorrow? But that they had relationship momentum going into this experience. That they had spent a whole lot of time together. That they had developed community with one another. They had grown in their friendship. And we want that stuff to happen fast. We want microwave friendships and we want it to happen real quick. But friendships don't happen in a hurry. The kind of relationships we're talking about here that led to the kind of healing that we're seeing in this story, that can't happen in a hurry. We can't listen to someone attentively in a hurry. I remember I had uh, one person I was, I was pouring my heart out with and I was kind of sharing. I was much younger at the time and, and uh, I don't know what was going on with this person but it was a one-on-one -on -one conversation and, and during the conversation, while I was talking, he did this. Yeah, I was done. I mean, I was done. I just, I saw that. Whew, the clam shut down. I got a tough clam. When it's shut down, it's not opening back up. I mean, it's just, you can't do this stuff in a hurry. You can't do life together in a hurry. And the main reason that, that many of us here in this room don't have these kinds of friendships, don't have this kind of community, is we, we just simply haven't put the time into it. We haven't prioritized it. There's so many things that want our time, and there's so many wonderful things out there that you are putting your time towards. If you don't have this kind of, these kind of friendships, these kind of relationships, what have you done intentionally to carve out time to be a part of it? It doesn't happen by accident. What happens is when we have mat-carrying friendships around us, then some miraculous things happen. Let me uh, read the next verse here, verse 5, from where I was. This is the most amazing part of the story. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, not the paralyzed man, I mean, I, I, I believe that Jesus knew the heart of the paralyzed man and that paralyzed man had faith that Jesus had the ability to do that. I believe that was happening there. But the story says, when Jesus saw their faith, the four heads peeking through the hole, holding onto the rope, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. If you want healing, surround yourself with people who want to bring you closer to Jesus. If you want healing, surround yourself with people who want to bring you closer to Jesus. Notice this story doesn't take place in a synagogue. It takes place in a home. Jesus did a lot of things on the Sabbath in the synagogue. He got in a lot of trouble for the different things that he did on the Sabbath in a synagogue. And that's, but what we're doing here is we're gathering uh, on, on the Sabbath, on a Sunday, and hearing from God, whatever God wants to speak to your heart here. And that's a part of the gospel stories. But this story here happens midweek in someone's home. Six out of seven days, the ministry was happening 
Elsewhere, it was happening in people's homes, in groups, like groups of, uh, uh, that form a family. A group that is, that's what a family is. It's a group meeting in a home. That's what home team is all about. Our family ministry is about saying, we want to team up with you so that you can uh, improve your marriage and your parenting situations and your other relationships. So that you can do that in your own thing because you are a group. We want to empower you as a family to be stronger in those settings. It also means uh, for, there are other kinds of groups that can meet in homes. We call them D groups here. They're small groups that gather in people's homes, 8, 10, 12 people. We call them D groups because of our, our value for doing life together. Do life together groups. On the way in, there was a card that you received, and it says, grab a corner of the mat. Up on the corner here, it's in blue writing, it says, grab a corner of the mat. For the last couple months, we've been uh, working towards this, excited about making this available for you. What this is, is a list of new D groups that are available. And so... Um, we've been working hard so that today these can be available. These are ready to go. New leaders, new facilitators, excited about you being a part of their group. Our hope is that uh, we didn't do a good enough job and that we run out of space and that we have a wonderful problem of trying to figure that out. That would be fantastic. But the invitation is for you to be a part of a D group if you haven't been a part of one yet. So what we're asking you to do is check this out and, and check one of these that perhaps might fit best with you. There's an option on the other side. I'm interested in leading or hosting a group. There's an, there's a, um, uh, I'm interested in a group for something. Maybe, you, there, maybe you're not look, you can't find what you're looking for on there. This is just a list of our new groups and the groups we're aware of that have space. But there are a bunch of other groups online at mountainpark.org. There are other opportunities for you to learn more about this. Don't don't, uh, th this isn't the limit of it. This is just what's fresh and right now for today in terms of you getting involved with, with a D group. So the, the plan is for you to check this off. There's one of these that look good for you. Give us the information. Someone will contact you. They'd love to invite you into a group of other uh, uh, mat-carrying folks. Now, we would never make a promise that whatever group, if you decide to, to take the courageous step of checking out one of these D groups, we'd never promise that it's going to be a great group of people and you're going to be lifelong friends. That's just, this just doesn't always happen. Uh, 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 we can't promise that. I had the privilege of going to the first Coyotes game on Thursday night, and, uh, and uh, it was fantastic. That's the game that we won. Yay! And, uh, but unfortunately, I was sitting, to a, I was sitting right next to a, a Chicago Blackhawks fan. And um, and this person was getting more and more uh, obnoxious and intoxicated as the game was going on. And then uh, uh, the Coyotes in that game were up by one goal, and Chicago scored with 14 seconds left to tie that game to take it into overtime. And when, when Chicago scored with 14 seconds left, this guy leaned forward. I don't know that. I've been trying to avoid him the whole game. He leans forward and just pokes right at my face. I mean, he's right here. I'm trying to avoid eye contact, and he's just... You know, looking like a bird, you know. You see what happened there? You know, whatever he was doing. I just wanted to poke him right in the eye, trying to avoid eye contact. See, I'm saying that because I don't want that guy touching my mat. 
I don't want that guy getting anywhere near my mat. You, we never know who we're going to connect with and do life with and try to do this stuff with. It's, life is complicated. Relationships are complicated. It so often happens that you try a D group and that one doesn't work so well and you can try another D group. Uh, please don't go for 150 different D groups and then you've got a problem. But, but, but maybe something's going to work. Give it some time because there's value in it. Here's why I want to push it uh, with you today. Um, you are surrounded by some phenomenal people here in this church. And I've had the privilege of getting to know more and more of you here. There are some amazing people sitting around you. And I don't want you to miss out on the opportunity of doing life together with some of them. If you want healing, spiritual healing and physical healing, surround yourself with a group of people who want to help bring you closer to Jesus instead of perhaps some of the people you're currently spending time with that are taking you away from Jesus? Are you influencing them or are they influencing you? We're going to close this morning by giving you an opportunity to respond to God. And if you're new with us, um, we often will do this and have a number of different opportunities around the room. They're listed in your program if you want some more information about that. Um, this will happen over the next, the next couple songs, probably about 10 minutes or so. And um, uh, we, just, we just invite you to, 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 to stay. I encourage you not to leave. That at the very least, you could just sit where you're at. Just sit and think. Just stay and kind of ponder over what, what God might be saying to you. Just kind of reflect a little bit on life. Um, but maybe there's uh, some of you here in the room who, who are in need of physical healing. We believe God has the power to do that. And if you have faith that God could do that in your life, we invite you to participate in what we call our anointing over here to the right. There'll be uh, members of, uh, on, of the, the board or uh, persons on our pastoral team who will be available to anoint you with oil as outlined in James chapter 5. But my guess is that more of us here in the room are in need of spiritual healing. That you've been carrying around an as-is tag for a long time. You, that you are in need of, of having your mat taken care of today. You are in need of some spiritual healing. You are in need of having a loving, wonderful Savior say to you, your sins are forgiven. Maybe there's some part of your life that you think you, you're supposed to spend the rest of your life carrying this thing around, carrying this mat around. Maybe today is a time where you come, you write it on a card, and you nail that little mat to the cross and say, I don't need to carry that anymore. May my Savior say, your sins are forgiven. That phrase isn't just for those who come to faith at some point in life. We can hear those words from Jesus every day because we continue to struggle with our imperfection, with our as-is mats. And I hope some of you would consider joining a D group and surrounding yourself with some people who want to carry you to Jesus. That you would grab a corner of the mat and participate in one of those groups. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much that you um, don't require us to do life alone. That you have given us each other. You've given us community. You've given us this church to learn about you together in. 
You've given um, many of us families, which is the place we struggle with the most, but it's also the place where we, where we learn the most. And you've given us the opportunity to do life together with other people. So Father, I pray that you would provide paths for us, that you would strengthen relationships, that you would do supernatural, spiritual, and physical healing here in our body. And may you get the glory for it all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.